Well, hello everyone. Hi everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of what we are tentatively calling Tune Tunes, in which we discuss tunes from cartoons. Eliana, do you want to talk about why we're here and what the uh, what the inspiration for this podcast is? Uh, the, the inspiration comes from many places. Well, we've had a, a running joke between the two of us talking about just how genuinely good the music from Phineas and Ferb is. Like, it's genuinely well-constructed good music. And at the beginning of the pandemic, someone on YouTube, I'm forgetting his name, uh, ranked every single song from Phineas and Ferb, and I sent this video to you, Owen, and you went, oh, there are some takes in here, not like, we, and then we just started talking about it. We just started talking about the music from Phineas and Ferb very objectively, constructively, like we were talking about what this man's thoughts were and how much they aligned or didn't align with our thoughts. Yeah, and, and we had already sort of ha- had some like Phineas and Ferb music discourse, like deconstructing the music of Phineas and Ferb, because this is this is going to reveal to a lot of people what our friendship is like. But you <laughs> had sent in a Snapchat group we were in, like a video of you watching "There's a Platypus Controlling Me," the classic banger. There's a platypus controlling me, and I was like, I have so many reasons why this is a classic hip hop song. This is a perfect like representation of what hip hop can do and and what it does. And then. Like months later, it was like as a Christmas slash going away present, I gave you like an annotated set of lyrics for There's a Platypus Controlling Me because I had time to do that that semester, apparently, along with like graduating. It was like, oh yeah, fuck my senior thesis. Let me do this annotation. I was like finishing my senior thesis. I had finished like the book that I had published. And then I was like, oh shit. I have, to, I have to get this thing done fairly on. And I was like in the library, like <laughs> making comments on this lyric sheet for there's a platypus controlling me. And I stand by it because, you know, I was an English major. There's nothing I love more than like taking texts that most people sort of dismiss as frivolous or like stupid or whatever and giving them just a thorough examination. <laughs> and so that is sort of what we're going to do here a little bit. Maybe not quite as in depth, but. But a little bit. Um, but long story short, we have a long history with Phineas and Ferb and the music from it specifically because the music from it is just so iconic. Mm-hmm. Like everyone I know knows at least some of like the music from Phineas and Ferb. But yeah, so we're here to discuss, uh, consider this a track by track album review of Phineas and Ferb. What is it? Songs from the hit TV show? Yeah, it's Phineas and Ferb parentheses songs from the tv series and it's sort of a the compilation album of the music from the first television series of Phineas and Ferb so that's that's what we're starting with and I guess we'll see (laughs) what the response to this will be this is a kind of pilot we did do a a test run of this conversation before so we know we have a lot to talk about uh, and, and I'm excited to get into it yeah and i'm I'm just gonna point it right out again um this album peaked at number 59 on the billboard hot yeah. 200 deservedly so <laughs> like i think that's just the most incredible fact in my mind hey hey i don't always like agree with the charts but the charts don't lie also about like what the people Like, what the people are listening to, and the people were listening to Phineas and Ferb songs from the hit TV series. Let's get into it. Uh, First track, Today is Gonna Be a Great Day, which is the theme song for Phineas and Ferb. Uh, What are your thoughts on this track? I mean, like, I 
like it. First off, the harmonies, delightful. It's the thesis for the show, which is like what any good theme song is. But uh, the thing that threw me is that I forget that there's a full length, single length version of this song. Yeah. So when it kept going, I was just really thrown off by that. Yeah, because it, it has the first verse of like, there's 104 days of summer vacation. Like it does that. And you're like, oh, I'm in familiar territory. But when it hits the, like maybe, like when the, the instruments hit, it's different than it is in the TV show. Yeah. It's 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 more sort of like full rock, because I think that's more what Bowling for Soup's thing is. But it's like the sort of full like drums, guitar, bass, all of it. And there's no horns. It's not quite the same as it is. So that struck me. And then it goes into that, this new chorus of this could possibly be the best day ever, which completely threw me. And I was like, what, what's happening? What? This is a different song now. Yeah. Um, which, which was interesting. It's, it's weird. Cause I feel like particularly like with the, the Disney channel canon, I feel like there's always like the pressure to make the theme songs be like, hit singles mm. um when like it it isn't like I, I think a lot of what we enjoy about like the theme song within the context of the show is that it is a little bit quirky um i mean there is the full length version in one of the episodes like halfway through the series if i remember correctly or like yeah. at least the this could possibly be the best day ever the, that, that new course yeah i think it's interesting because i i mean I don't, i'm not mad at the new course i don't necessarily dislike this song and there are actually like some melodic stuff in it like the certain that in every single possible way that reminded me a lot of like carpe diem yeah from the end of the movie which is a finished song i really love it's in the sort of musical territory of the feeling of what I associate with Face and Ferb, what I like about Face and Ferb. I just think it's a chorus too long. Yeah. Like, I don't dislike the song. I just feel like it's not in keeping with the rest of what's on the album. If you're going to give us, like, songs from the TV series and, like, a representation of sort of what the songs from the TV series are like, most of these songs are, like, you know, maybe two, two and a half minutes max. And this is a whole, like, I think like oh well no this is like three minutes but still it just feels very long compared to everything else on here yeah for this to be the opening track it makes sense because it is the theme song but it sets up a different a a false expectation for what the rest of the album is gonna look like in my opinion yeah and and uh, honestly i would have just preferred sort of like just just the theme song because like that's more what the show is but again like no hate to bowling for soup because it is a, it is a really great song honestly it's a banger but like even if it had just been like the verse and the chorus maybe another verse maybe another chorus like like even if it had just they just taken out that like last chorus or the last two choruses maybe mm-hmm. i would have been fine with it with there being that sort of new chorus in there but again it just feels like it goes on for too long also there's a point in here in this song i just want to because i i realized this listening to this again and i hadn't noticed it before but Phineas, I think the, the person, or at least the person who does the voice of, of Phineas. Vincent Martello, we love you. Yes, there we go. Um, I think he comes in, like, at the beginning of the bridge. Because oh. I think it's his voice. I could be hallucinating that, but it doesn't sound like Bowling for Soup's lead singer. It sounds like it sounds like Phineas's voice. Okay. And so I think he makes, like, a little cameo, which was kind of cool. Um, even though I don't really need that bridge. <laughs> So one thing I really appreciate about it is that the the vocals aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that I really like on the topic of vocals. Like I really appreciate that the vocals aren't perfect because it adds some of that like youth. Yeah. 
to the song that I really appreciate. I think it captures the essence. Like this is, like I said, this is the thesis for the show. Yeah, I like, I think the sort of roughness of his vocals really works for what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that sort of, it's sort of a rough around the edges sound to his voice. And I've always, you know, I've always really liked like the feeling of this song for the for the show. So again, great song. I just don't know that I love this version on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the next song. Next song is, is Gitchy Gitchy Goo. Yeah. Which, <laughs> would you like would you like to talk about Gitchy Gitchy Goo first? Oh, I think I feel like you might have thoughts on this. Just just based on that reaction. The, the first time we had this conversation, I said I thought Gitchy Gitchy Goo was kind of overrated. Um mm-hmm but not sort of bad by any means. In retrospect, I, I now sort of feel like it's actually perfectly rated. Yeah. Um, because I, we've talked about the Cliptastic Countdown and sort of how that sits in the lineage of uh, Phineas and Ferb music discourse and how Phineas and Ferb music is ranked. And I always find it so fascinating that Gitchy Gitchy Goo was number one in the Cliptastic Countdown. Yeah. I, because I don't think it's the best Phineas and Ferb song. Um, but I think that, that it's perfect that it's number one in the Cliptastic countdown because the song, if, if, for folks who know the actual episode that the song is in, the song is created by Phineas and Ferb because they're trying to create a perfect hit single, like a perfect hit pop song. The fact that they manage to accomplish it, not just sort of within the, like the diegetic world of the show, but it actually like transition, transfers to the real world too and with the actual audience of Phineas and Ferb right like it perfectly accomplishes like what it sets out to do it is the embodiment of a pop hit and it and it actually accomplishes with the Phineas and Ferb viewers what what it was supposed to do in the story which I just I just find that so fascinating I mean like yeah this song I rewatched uh the Cliptastic Countdown the other day with my roommate and like this song being the end of the episode it just felt right Maybe it's not the best constructed song in the Phineas and Ferb like canon, but there are some good musical elements to it. Um, I'm very much like a singer person, and like the vocals are super nicely arranged. And while like maybe the lyrics leave something to be desired, like I think that the quality of the song is like pretty pretty good. Um, the vibe. There's a reason that it's so iconic. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. There's a reason why the song is so iconic in, uh, like, in the Phineas and Ferb canon, and also like, in the fandom of Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. When I was sort of preparing for this conversation again, I was like, oh god, I haven't listened to this album in a long time. I need to listen to it. And I put on the, this in the car, and I was like driving down the road listening to Get You Get You Go, and it had been a very long time since I heard it, and I was. It just made me feel giddy. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is awesome. This is just great. Like, I, again, it's it's a very, like, it's a very silly song when you sort of look at, at the lyrics. But but musically, again, like, the way that, that it's orchestrated um, and, the, and the vocals are just fantastic. That The moment where, like, where all the instruments cut and Phineas is like, don't need a dictionary. Like, that gives me chills. It's yeah. so satisfying. And it's also like, again, I know that the, that the song isn't necessarily the most substantive, but the lyrics actually are kind of like funny and clever. And that's sort of like, don't need a dictionary. And where in the show, he actually has a dictionary and he throws away his like, fantastic. The fur bets. Oh, yeah. Those background vocals from like Isabella and the, and the Fireside Girls are fantastic. And then, and we're going to talk a lot about 
about Candace, about Ashley Tisdale. Oh, yes. Uh, in this conversation. But when her harmonies come in at the end, like her, her slowly joining the song yes. against her better will is so excellent. It's so good. Especially, like, again, in the build-up to that last chorus. And then, of course, with the last chorus with the claps. Yeah. It's so good. And then, and then when the breakdown, fantastic. Also, I would just like to say, because I was looking at the drums for this. Yeah. Are, I think almost exactly the same as the drums that start the Perry the Platypus theme. Right, um, yeah. Which is just sort of like an extra star point in its favor. We'll talk about that song in a minute. I would also just like to say, anyone, if if you are like us and, and want to invest your time in <laughs> just looking into like the, the intricacies of Phineas and Ferb songs um, for unnecessary amounts of time, please go to the Genius page, particularly <laughs> for Gitchy Gitchy Goo, because... The the notes on this are just like wonderfully wild. I don't. I mean, it, they may have changed since I last sort of checked them, but I'm but I'm looking at one now that's like "gitchy gitchy goo" is an old Sanskrit phrase originating with the root word "glitch," meaning a love unlike any other. <laughs> and like it's stuff like that. Like I think I, I think the last time we had this conversation, I was looking and there were like references to Nirvana and Billy Ray Cyrus and 21 Pilots. Like, the ge- the people who, who annotate stuff for geni- on Genius are my kind of people, um, even when they can be a little extra. Oh, yeah. I just love the the way in which they are extra and, and nerdy about stuff like this. So, yeah. No, it's... Uh, I think Gitchy Gitchy is a really good song. Again, it's not, like, my favorite song. I don't think it's the best song of Fancy Fur, but I understand that sort of, like, pop appeal because it's absolutely a hit. Oh, yeah. And, like, this is, like... Uh, pick me up yeah. like if you're having a shit day just play Gitchy Gitchy Goo from Phineas and Ferb I also just want to bring up this tweet that Vincent Martella tweeted a while ago um where Grace Spellman tweeted the hottest thing you can do as a guy is be talented and then Vincent Martella quoted that and said I sang Gitchy Gitchy Goo and you know what he was right <laughs> wow that's crazy wow I love that okay what else needs to be said? Let's move on. Now we're going to move on to, to number two in the Cliptastic Countdown. Backyard Beach, which... <laughs> we're, we're, on a, we're on a FaceTime call, so I can see from your face that you have some thoughts. Would you like to share some thoughts <sighs> on Backyard Beach? <laughs> well, I have, like, my original notes, and then I have my, um, my like, updated notes. And the first point from both is still just... Just, is this cultural appropriation? Because I feel like it is. Like, visually and Mm song-wise, I feel like this song teeters on the cultural appropriation line. Yeah, it was 2009, but still, it just, it feels a little, um, it feels a little sticky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think I also just have a particular issue with Ferb being the one singing this song. (laughs) Yeah, it's especially, like, not cool if you like know about Britain's relationship to like the Caribbean islands. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I like, and I say that as a half British person, like it's like, it is weird. I, I, I mean, the first note I had on this song is also like, is this a pr- cultural appropriation? And then right after it, yes. <laughs> I mean, I do think, you know, we've talked about this before. Like I think all the songs in Phineas and Ferb, pretty much all the songs engage in some sort of, some sort of form of, 
of musical appropriation. I think, you know, there's a lot of like, what, one of the things I think I love so much about Phineas and Ferb's music is, is how it's able to take genre, take any, like a specific genre of music mm-hmm. and then sort of yeah. take what's best about that genre and replicate it in songs for the show. I was going to say, maybe not even best, but like the most fundamental pieces of every genre. Right, exactly. What I mean is like sort of optimize that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, for sort of for their purposes in a very sort of like short and discreet chunk. Um, and in a lot of ways, I see how, how they were trying to do that here with sort of like the steel drums, the sort of accent that Ferb um, sings Rapson. in. I think the problem is, is that it's twofold. Like one, like it's not like a rubber bands, rubber mm-hmm. balls situation, right? Where that song, it's like Baljeet's uncle in which, like, the person who is who is voicing the song of the genre actually sort of belongs to the culture yeah. that produced the song in a way that's sort of, like, appropriate and, and clever. But also, even if it weren't cultural appropriation, it's still just not a very satisfying song. Yeah, like, song. as a song, <laughs> I think that the beat is really solid and, like, the beat is really good. It's just the lyrics are so dull, in my opinion. I will say I do appreciate the, like parasailing flailing and then the context needs saline or else you can't see i appreciate that scheme like that's maybe the one redeeming feature from this whole song but also it's it's just so brief and it's so like not substantial and not satisfying and again that's even if you're ignoring the the maybe sort of questionable ethics (laughs) behind uh behind it and i don't understand how this got number two in the classic canton i just don't understand like this is the thing about like like when 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 I say like the charts don't lie, <laughs> and like the numbers don't lie, sometimes they don't like like they don't, and sometimes they don't necessarily reveal things that um that we love all that much. But yeah, who who was like, oh yeah, this is the one, this is a banger. Exactly. I mean, I don't know, maybe like ten year olds who don't know better. I but. will say about the context needs sailing line. I literally like one of my notes is just contacts with four question marks because I just like that line always like, like I know it's coming, but it still just catches me off guard. You know, it is, it is very much in the tradition of like Phineas and Ferb. And we'll get to this right with, with songs like SIMP, but like just in the middle of a song, like they'll just say something very random mm-hmm in the lyrics like something just very random will happen and you'll be like why did that happen does it matter no we're gonna keep moving (laughs) like um it's just and it's just like like they just say something very sort of like strange and random that that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the song um but that's kind of funny i guess and depends depends. sort of how it works but yeah uh i mean like i mean like it's catchy i'll give it that but like i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's as memorable as like other songs on this album for, For example, example, the next song, which was number three, number three on the Cliptastic Countdown. The next song, Busted. busted. D- like, the fact that this was lower than Backyard Beach in the Cliptastic Countdown, I don't even have words for. So we won't focus on that. Instead, we will just focus on the song Busted itself. What are your thoughts on Busted? Okay, I think this is the first song on the album that's like both great like in context and out of context in my opinion like i think this is like this is the first song that you can really feel like yeah the context is important but like also the um out of context like this song just slaps i don't know what like genius what stroke of genius went through 
the show's creator's minds to like have Olivia Olsen and Ashley Tisdale do this duet, but their vocals Ooh. are killer. Oh my God. It's two of the best voices on the show. Oh yeah. I don't know. I, I like Isabella's voice and Stacy, you know, as we'll talk about later, also has a pretty nice voice, but like when, when we're talking about the ve- the best vo- vocals on the show, this is it. Yeah. I particularly like Vanessa that is a big surprise because you don't hear her sing i think anywhere else on this album no yeah um and her voice is just so smoky and wonderful and it's and it's very like tonally different in quality from ashley tisdale's voice but they but they complement each other so well yeah on this song the vocal arrangement is killer like the way that they decided to utilize these two women's voices both like individually but also like when they sing together their voices just blend so nicely together and which is so fascinating to me because they have such different tonal qualities to their voice like olivia olsen's is so much like darker um and yeah smokier is a good adjective to describe her voice and then ashley tisdale she has that like classic disney channel sound it's brighter it's a little like poppier and the fact that this song manages to highlight both of them without without minimizing either of their voices was just so like delightful. There's a reason it's so iconic. Well, so I could go on and on about this song forever because I think it's pretty much like a pretty much perfect song in terms of like the Phineas and Ferb oh, yeah. genre. Like this is top five, I think of all time, Phineas and Ferb. Which is a big thing to say like on the fourth song we're talking about, but it but it really is just that good. It's like it's it has all sort of I think the best elements of, of a Phineas and Ferb song and that it's really like shamelessly addictive. It, it makes great use of, of genre. Um, and it also is like, it, it's so genius because like it feels like a full song. It's very complete. It feels very like satisfying and full, but also it's only a minute and a half long. And it's just short enough to leave you like wanting more. You're like, oh, I got to run that back. Yeah. I got to hear that again. Like so many of these joints on this album, it's like it doesn't it doesn't overstay its welcome, but it also feels like a whole piece. The vocals are amazing. I could listen to to the harmonies on that pre-chorus of "Don't think you're gonna win this time, cause you better." Believe. Like I could listen to that on a loop all day. Yeah, I love the beat. It's it's so very like glitchy. Yeah, and like reminds me of sort of like the '90s. It feels it feels very similar to like I think kind of a spiritual ancestor of the show and Kim Possible. Like yeah. it reminds me sort of of the like that sort of like theme music. I love the scratching, like the like the 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 record scratching that's going on here. This like good music has this thing where it just has this kind of like magical alchemy. Like you don't under, you can't really explain why a certain melody or chorus or whatever works so well for you, but it does that busted. It's just so addictive. Yeah. It just I feel like once you know the song, you can't help but sing along every time you hear it. Yeah. And and just, again, and again, it feels like a full piece. Like, it develops in so many ways. Like, from from sort of, like, that first verse to sort of the first chorus to, to like, that build up to the last chorus with... And and then I love how they do that thing where... where and this shows up in some other songs in this album, too. This Phineas and Ferb thing of, like, spelling things. Like, spelling words. Yeah. And and it's such, like, a rhythmically satisfying thing for me. The B-U-S-T-E-D-U-R. Bust. And it goes back in the chorus. And it's so... It makes me, like, hype just to even sort of sing that to yeah. myself. And then, like, the final chorus having, like, the underlying, like, 
like I love when songs layer previous vocals underneath the final chorus like I love that shit so like the like the don't think you're gonna win this time like that being underneath the final chorus just feels so satisfying it's also it's like you were talking about like it's great like in context and out of context like out of context it's just a bop yeah it's just a great bop it's a bop, but also when you listen to the lyrics, like, this is basically, like, a perfect I want song. Yeah. For both Candace and Vanessa and sort of paralleling their desires to bust, respectively, their brother and their dad. <laughs> the thing that is driving them so much that they have to sing this song parallel to each other is this this need to, like, show their moms, like, the bullshit that the men in their life are doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. And that's just great. It's just, yeah. I also, as a lesbian, like, this song had a profound impact on my life. Um, and I don't know why. But I also I also know that other lesbians have expressed to me that they've had the same experience. Or, like, queer women have expressed to me that they had the same experience. So I'm just like, yeah, it's a great... I'm Yeah, like, as, like, a kid, fattest crushes on Candace and Vanessa. Like, without a doubt. And like, that was like, yeah, this song, uh, it, it's, it's so good. I could talk about this shit for hours. We've been talking about it for, I think like 10 minutes. I'm not going to lie. And, and it deserves <laughs> it, but we should move on. We should move on. And really, I mean, it's, it's unfair. The thing about this album, it does like a thing that I, that I see a lot in albums where like a lot of the bangers and the really good songs will be sort of in the front end, like the first like quarter mm-hmm. to third of the album, right? So we got like, we got busted and now we have the Perry the Platypus theme, which... I'm going to let you talk, because <laughs> you have really strong thoughts on this song. I love this song. This is so such a good song. I mean, as as a person who who is really into spy shit as, as a kid, as a person who, like, wrote, like, a 75-page thesis on, on spy shit, on the spy genre, <laughs> and is like, you know, I've invested a lot of, like, time and thought into, like, sort of the spy genre, I, I just... I've been trying to figure out for years how this song like musically does what it does it's again it's that thing of like i can't really explain like how it sort of perfectly captures this this spy sound that that, that you yeah. instantly recognize as being like specific to the spy genre and it's just it just does it so perfectly like the, like it replicates the genre but not in a way that feels like tacky but it feels like it it, it really like full like full-bloodedly embraces like yes this is a platypus who is a spy <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think it's also like like as much as it's a spy song and like it has that spy sound to it which like i don't know what a spy sound is it's like i think it has a lot to do with like the guitar licks like the guitar licks in the song like the dan and dan it like that is straight out of like bond or secret agent man or mission impossible there's also like the doobie doobie doob like that's so but but the thing is like i've never heard that in any other like spy song but the doobie doobie dooba doobie, like somehow is the spy sound. Like it, it still works perfectly, and I don't understand. Yeah, the thing is that as much as this is like a great spy song, it's also like a great superhero theme. Like to me, it mm. is reminiscent of like the old Spider-Man theme. It's it's just it's so sick. It's so good. Band and professional it is with like the drums and the guitar and that full like brass band, like the horns blaring, like it like it sounds so full and big and magnificent. But the lyrics are so hilarious. And Dan like, Povenmire posted something on his TikTok about how he wrote this song. And he literally said that they opened up the freaking Wikipedia page for Platypus. For Platypie. Right. And they went, all right, 
semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal and then they just went of action of action (laughs) he is a furry little flat foot who never flinches from the fray ea ea he has more than just mad skill he's He's got got a beaver beaver tail tail and a bill and a bill like i don't understand like that is bars that is just bars. And and again, the 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 voice of the man singing this, like I don't know who this man is, this like like rich, wonderful baritone. It says Randy Crenshaw on Spotify. Randy Crenshaw, there you go. It's just so like melodramatic. He's Perry like <laughs> I just love it. I just love it so much. And again, like speaking about like how like this feels very sort of like like the descendant of Kim Possible, like it is that thing of like, let's just take an animal that nobody thinks about at all <laughs> and is like the weirdest choice for like a sidekick or, you know, or the animal in the show. You know, it's sort of in the spirit of the naked mole rap, which we should talk about another time. But like, <laughs> yes. you know, it's just such a silly, ridiculous song, but because it feels so like grand and, ma- and marvelous, you, you're like really with it. You're like, yes. Like, yes, I absolutely buy that this platypus in a fedora is, like, fighting crime. That makes sense. That, yeah. 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 Also, like, the, the, the pause right before the... Is just, and then it blasts back into the chorus. It's so Fantastic. Good. Like, major monogram at the end where he's like, you can call him Agent P. And then that brings in that Agent P. And again, like Busted, this song is so short. I don't even... I, I think it's, like, less than a minute. I think it's like 45 seconds. It's 47 seconds. 47 seconds. And it's, but it, but again, it feels so full and it leaves you wanting more. And yeah. we can't talk about the full, like the full length version of the Perry the Platypus theme because <laughs> that's not on this album. But it's so satisfying when you get to that. Oh yeah. It's great. Love All right. Song. Next song is another like really iconic song. And of course we are talking about S-I-M-P, Squirrels in My Pants by Two Guys in the Park. Absolutely. I'm trying to remember. I feel like this was also in the Cliptastic Countdown. This is five in the Cliptastic Countdown. Yeah. Yeah. So I get you. You start on this one. I mean, like, I don't. I'm gonna be honest. I don't have that many like strong thoughts on it. I give two guys in the park some slack because, like, yeah, the lyrics aren't that strong. Like the bars aren't that strong. But that's like right. it was a freestyle. I like that. Like, I don't know. There's a way to put a Marxist lens over some of the lines. Yes. Um, I, I really appreciate that shit. That was in the genius um, annotations too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it's so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a Marxist anthem and I, I don't have very strong thoughts about it. Like, again, it's very iconic. I think for this song, particularly a lot of the fact that it's iconic comes from the ridiculous situation as opposed to from the song itself. Right. Meanwhile, I feel like for other songs that are iconic, um, it's like 50-50, you know? Yeah, I think it's interesting because this is not like one of my favorite songs. I don't love it, but I find it really interesting. I mean, musically, it is kind of fun. You know, I like, it's got a nice like early 2000s hip-hop sound. It, it feels very like reminiscent of Nelly and Usher like that. That bit where it's like, step right over and watch me put it down. Like, that's a really satisfying part for me. That like, that does stuff to my hips. Like, I, I cannot lie. Like, it, it it feels very, you know, it's very <laughs> addictive. Like, it feel, like, that's a very sticky, like satisfying part of the song. I, I find the song really interesting. Again, not, not because like, I love it a lot, but I, but I think it does a lot of really interesting things that you see in other Phineas and Ferb songs. And I think there's a lot of interesting stuff lyrically going on, right? Like, I love the way that Candace's vocals 
like this. There's squirrels in my pants. Like that is sort of sampled. Yeah. Right. The way it's like chopped up and becomes sort of the basis for this this weird weird freestyle. <laughs> um, so I love that sort of thing. And I also again, it's it's that spelling thing. It's the S I M P squirrels in my pants. Like there's something like rhythmically about that that I guess is very satisfying. Also. Side note, is this the new simp anthem? Um, I feel like I, I, don't, I talked about this last time, but I, I just want to like throw that out. I don't, I mean, here's the thing. Like, yes, it says simp, but I don't think it is the simp anthem. Um, per- but it could be. I think it's a good way to call out other people for being simps, but I don't think it's a, I don't think okay. simps themselves would. Um, would necessarily identify with this song. Exactly, yeah. Sure. That, no, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is just like, I find, again, I find it lyrically so interesting. And this is coming from the guy who, like, did, like, a full annotation of the lyrics of this Platypus Controlling Me. But, right, like, like again, because it's a freestyle, it's really interesting to see all, like, the like all the places they go. Like, like, obviously, it's, like, very funny because there are a lot of songs in this sort of genre about, like, oh, girl, you're dancing in, like, this very, like, attractive way. And in this case, like, <laughs> the, the cause of Candace dancing is is squirrels being in her pants. And that's, like, the joke. Yeah. But, like, it's very interesting that it, like, starts with, like, focusing on the dance. Like, the first verse really focuses on the literal squirrels in her pants. The literal squirrels. Which, and again, and again, the, the, the people in the park don't realize that there are literal squirrels in her pants until the end. Like, they, they just think that she's very good at dancing. Uh, and then the squirrels pop out at the yeah. end. And like, damn, there were literal squirrels in her pants. Um, but I also, like, again, the second verse, like, like you were talking about, like, the Marxist lines, it opens it up to all these bigger, like, weirdly, like, existential adult life questions, like, who you got back home watering your plants? I just have, like, I just think about it for way too long, because it could sort of be taken maybe as a flirt, but it also could be, be like, who do you have taking care of your plants? Who do you have in your life who's taking care of like you of, of like your plants lives and by extension your <laughs> life or is it also just a random question like what's like what's going on uh, and then also like the i've got an aunt florence living in france is just also yeah shout out to the biggie reference there is there is a notorious big reference in here with oh. the line hypnotize me put me in a chance <laughs> i consider that a biggie yeah. reference and no one can tell oh, me because diff- it definitely is like I don't know. I'm from Brooklyn. I have stands on this. Oh, yeah. It's a bigger reference. Um, also, like, this show takes place in the tri-state area. So, like... Right. Why not? Why not? It's a biggie reference. Yeah. And then and then there's just, again, the Marxist stuff. It's just, like... Obviously, there's, like, the part where they're, like, proletariat, bourgeoisie. But also, like, there are a lot of, like, questions about, like, there's, like, the... How can I qualify for government grants? And, and it's a good question, guys in the park. How can I qualify for government grants? <laughs> I could... Because I could really... Especially this year, I could really use some... And also just, like, you know, like, the need for an academic degree. Like, if your pockets are empty, get a cash advance. Mm-hmm. Like, there are clearly some, like, like these street performers are in some, like, strained financial circumstances. Or, like, they're, they're clearly existing from a certain, like, strata of society. And they've and, and it never, like, coalesces into something, like, really coherent. It's just a bunch of, like, fragments. But clearly it's, like, on their mind. And that's why it comes out in this sort of freestyle form. And again, I, like... Does it make, like, my favorite song in the show? No, but I do find it incredibly interesting from just a pure sort of, like, analytic perspective. <laughs> if you put this on at a party, I would be really interested to see if you, if you like, put this on at a party. You know what I mean? Like a rager. Like, someone just threw this on the system. 
like to see how long it took people to realize what they were listening to because again it does a really good job of like capturing that early 2000s like hip-hop and rb sound but like at what point would the people at the party dancing like realize that it's about squirt that it squirrels in my pants? Like, and I, and I think it also sort of, I guess, maybe generationally depends because like a certain generation will maybe immediately recognize that song because they know Phineas and Ferb, but it also might take them a minute. Like, I would just love that as a social experiment to just put this on at a party and see what happens. And if like people get down to it, you know? I mean, like I can get down to this song, I will say. Like as a song, totally. I could get down to it. Um, also, I cannot emphasize this enough. Please, please go and look at the genius, the genius annotations on this song. People listening to this podcast, please. They're, it's it's just so good. I can't, I don't want to take too much time talking about it, but. They're so good. Just do it. Please do it. Like, if you're ever bored or you're ever, like, high out of your mind and you need something to laugh at, just go through the genius annotations for. You, you don't even need to be high. This will make you high. This will yeah. <laughs> go and read like the annotations. There is because they go, they go hard on this particular song. You've been listening to Tune Tunes with Owen and Eliana. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll continue our discussion of Phineas and Ferb songs from the TV series. The show is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. These first episodes are sort of a little pilot mini series. So if you like the show and you want us to keep doing it, make sure to rate it and share it with your friends. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at ToonToonsPod. Our theme music is by Adam Mir, and our artwork is by MJ Smith. Thanks so much for listening. Um, hold on. I have a, I have a thought that doesn't necessarily have to be on the podcast, but I just have a thought. Um, I would love to hear um, Usher's Yeah edited over Squirrels in My Pants. Oh, gosh. Please. I hope someone... <laughs> I feel like someone has to have done that. Can someone do Like, YouTube is so strong with, like, these remixes of things. Someone has to have done that. I, I'm pretty sure someone's done uh, Sexy Back and Squirrels in My Pants, because I feel like I played that at a party once. But I don't... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that works really well. That would work really well. Take him to the chorus. S-I-M-P-S-Curls. <laughs> oh, that's funny.